You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 155. In this episode, I'm speaking to Brit Seva on how having a very clear niche has helped her grow her business. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Britt Seva, who is a business coach for hairstylists and runs a very successful one-year membership site. She recently also launched a podcast and has a great following on Instagram and Facebook. Britt shared her ideal client with us and you can go and get a copy at sigrun.com forward slash 155. I'm so excited to be here with Britt Seva, who I met through James Wetmore Inner Circle High Level Mastermind over a year ago. We are both in our, is it second year for you two? Yes, second year for me too. Wow. It's been absolutely amazing to watch your journey. And I knew from the very start I started my podcast that I wanted to have you on here and share your story with my audience. So first of all, thank you for being on the show, Britt. Oh, Seagrin, the pleasure is all mine. I've been waiting for you to ask. I'm wearing my Seagrin red today. I never even wear red. I just wore it for you. <laughs> I'm really honored to be here. So thank you. So what uh, my audience, you know, female entrepreneurs, they are often worried about niching down. And that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you. You are an example of how it is possible to have a really clear niche. Like I know we've actually had this discussion in the mastermind where you were wondering yourself if you should expand your niche and everybody was like, no, you're already in the golden niche. So just, you know, continue with that. Can you go back and first of all, share your entrepreneurial journey with my audience like so they know where you came from and how you started your business? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I started off as a hairstylist and now I'm a hairstylist business coach. So I myself was behind the chair for a very short period of time, only about two years before it became very clear that I was much more inclined to the business side of things, marketing, growing business, social media. So I stepped into a salon director role at the salon that I was at. I stepped away from my clientele and chair. And within a couple of years of doing that and leading my team, other salon owners in the area started approaching my owner asking if it would be okay if they contracted with me for some coaching. So very organically, it started happening and it really revealed itself as my true path. I really love coaching and mentoring and teaching and it became clear that that's the direction I wanted to go in. And it got to a point like coaching always does where there was only so many hours in the day and only one of me and I had to find a way to expand. And that's when I discovered this whole online education world. And like you're saying, nobody in my industry was doing it. So I had to take the leap of faith. And it was one of those things where it was like, is anybody even going to like this? Am I going to be talking to nobody? Are they going to think this online education coaching is crazy? Is it going to resonate? 
And oh my gosh, did it resonate. Now I'm so glad that I took the leap. I think there's such an advantage to being the pioneer in an industry and even in a small industry. My industry is pretty tiny. The, the hairstylist, and I specifically just work with hairstylists, not the beauty industry overall. And it's been such a blessing because my message is now so refined. I'm talking to one very tiny segment of people and they turn to me for business coaching because I'm the one person who's speaking their language. There's a million business coaches out there but I'm the one person speaking their exact language. And like you said, I was very tempted to expand into a secondary niche and you and everybody else in the mastermind said, girl, what do you think you're doing? Stick with what's working for you. Stay in your lane. And oh my gosh, am I so glad that I've just stayed my path and stuck with my one audience because it's been such a blessing for me. It helps me to focus. It definitely helps me to strengthen my education. It's been amazing. I can't imagine not coaching in a niche, to be totally honest with you. Yeah. And it's hard to explain this to someone who comes like, oh, everybody is my client. So I guess you get this question. I know, of course, your audience is hairstylists. So you're not like a business coach coaching business coaches. But what would you say to someone who says, well, this is my ideal client, or I want to target women and men, or I want to target, you know, people that are just, I don't know, online? I think that for me, I started off really, really small. So I'd actually like to coach a little bit of a broader range. But from the beginning, I got very specific to knowing like where my message was best received. I could coach estheticians and makeup artists and people who want to be celebrity stylists. I could do that. It's probably not where I'm my best and it's not where I'm the most passionate. So I decided to start off small. Like my niche is a niche within a niche and I just want to connect with like the neighborhood stylist, like the person that you go to see your, for your hair. That's who I want to connect with. And when people reach out to me and they say like, I want to be a platform artist or a platform educator. I say, follow me, follow me publicly, but I'm probably not the coach for you. And I actually almost think that turning away the business that's not fully in line with my focus and my following has been such a blessing and a gift because now people know how truthful I am and that I really do know what my focus should be. And it's helped me to not get distracted by like squirrel syndrome and get pulled all different directions. It's really helped to make my messaging more clear and been a benefit. Just learning to say no to all of the possible options and just staying true to my path. I think it's great that you said that you actually, the neighborhood stylist, that's even a more clearer niche than saying just hairstylists. So it's not necessarily the better known ones, the famous ones that everybody wants to go to and they become too expensive. You're not coaching them. Not at all. And when you actually look at my social media following, I'm very proud of my following. But on Instagram, I don't even have 20,000 followers yet. On Facebook, I just crossed the 20,000 mark, I think, earlier this year. And when you look at other hairstylists and other hairstylist educators, they have 50,000 followers, 100,000 followers, 200,000 followers. They can have them. I am so happy to just be attracting the group of people that really resonates with me because for me, it's so quality over quantity. And I know my message is being received by those who are meant to receive it. Mm, very true. But teaching it online, you know, how would you know that this audience who is obviously not in front of a desktop computer in their job would, uh, you know, be receptive to your message? Like, did you know or you just kind of was hoping for the best? 
secret. I'm so glad you asked that. It was a hope and a prayer. <laughs> you got it when I said, when you said hoping for the best, that's exactly what I was doing. And my niche is a little bit behind the times and they know it. I talked to them about it before too. I just launched a podcast myself earlier this year. I'm following in the Seagram footsteps. I launched a podcast earlier this year and they were like, what the heck is a podcast? So I'm literally teaching to a niche who wasn't familiar with the online space, but the cool thing was I got to teach them about it. Like I got to show them my way and what I think works and, and how I like education to be. And I know that I'm delivering a really great product. So I got to kind of roll it out for them and show them the potential of how it could be. But you're right. There was a learning curve because there was no other online education for my industry at all when I started, but I took that as a blessing. I didn't see it as this hurdle I couldn't overcome. I thought, wow, how great that I get to be the one that gets to decide how this is going to look. Mm. And it must be different. Like I tend to do everything on my desktop, right? So if somebody wants to attract me to a program, probably a, a Facebook ad and a newsfeed on desktop is going to be the best way to target me. Obviously, your audience is a little bit different. How and if there's anyone listening who is going into a niche where people are not sitting at their computer all day long, how do you reach those people? Such a great question. And and that has been a little bit of a challenge for me also because I am a desktop girl and I love my Facebook, but my audience is very much on Instagram. So I've had to teach myself how to connect there and they love the Insta stories. So I'm trying to learn how to use Insta stories and Instagram because I know that that's where they're hanging out. And like I said, I started a podcast, but my audience kind of isn't there. So I'm trying to pull them over, but you're right. I have had to flex my style to be where my audience is. So I do have to spend quite a bit of time studying my audience and their behaviors because being in a niche, I can't just say, oh, so-and-so, this big name educator in our industry does it like this, I'll copy them. I have no one's copy. So I do spend a lot of time studying my audience's behaviors and flexing to where they're hanging out. Have they caught on with Snapchat or do they stay with Instagram? They, so, they love their Instagram. They're comfy there. They like to hang out. They're settled in. They like dip their toe into the Snapchat pool, but they're very comfy hanging out on Instagram. That's kind of cool. Mary Smith just said on Social Media Marketing World that Instagram is the new Facebook. People are a little bit moving away. There's decline on Facebook and Instagram is picking up. So you are right in the right spot there. But how does your audience, like they find you on Instagram and do you feel that it takes them a long time to actually do something? I know it's a more price sensitive industry as well compared to someone who is hiring someone for business in other industries. Very much so. And Sigrid, I'm really glad that you said that too, because when I went into the online space, I totally wasn't that success story where it was like, yesterday I started and two weeks later I made a million dollars. That is not my journey because you're right. It does take longer for somebody to warm up to the idea of online education at all. That's a hurdle I have to overcome because it's not common in my industry. And there is a, a longer nurturing process. Every week I get messages from people who say, I've been following you for a year and now I want to know what you have to offer. So you're right. It is, it is a little bit more of a journey, but I embrace that part. And I know that's a part of the process. So I'm just really good at showing my audience a lot of love and knowing that when the time is right, if the time is right for them, we'll connect and, and I'll be the coach for them. And if not, that's okay. I'm still just delivering you know, great gifts to the industry. But you're right. It is a little bit more of a courtship in a niche, I think, to get them to make that purchase. And that's okay. You know what I mean? I'm cool with that. And, and I want to encourage your audience too, if they are going into a niche, be patient. Like give it some time because it may take three months, six months, a year, 18 months, but it will happen. And that snowball will start rolling and picking up speed for sure. 
Well, that's where you see the difference between an entrepreneur and a wannabe entrepreneur is the patience piece. I was just reading uh, Gary V's book, you know, Crushing It, since I'm going to meet him soon. And uh, it's about the patience. He was saying, is there one thing that he has over 99% of people who want to be an entrepreneur is the patience. So obviously in your industry, you need a lot of patience. Yeah, completely. And I'm reading Crushing It too. And every all of his messages are just so resonating. And he's saying that, you know, if you don't want to be patient and you don't want to take the time, that's okay. But this entrepreneurial journey might just not be for you because you really do have to stay the course and just have the faith in knowing that what you're building if you build it, they will come. You know what I mean? If you can stay the path, it will happen. So how is the typical customer journey for someone who is following you? They follow you on Instagram, right? That's where it starts. And what happens next? They follow me on Instagram and I do have a link within my bio. If they click the link, it gives them a little taste to what I have. So once they click the link, it has a bio to me and then it shows all of my best free content resources. So I have a gajillion Facebook live free trainings that I've done podcasts. I have over a hundred blog articles that I've written. So I basically encourage them to like, please soak up everything for free that I've ever offered. I, there is no hard push from me at all. I want them to get the experience of my voice and my message and my teaching and my training. And I know that the content I'm delivering is awesome. I have the confidence in knowing that. And I don't push to sell with a heavy hand by any means. I want to connect with those in the right time. And once they go to my blog or go to my podcast or my Facebook live. I'm always encouraging them to sign up for a free PDF download. They get on my email list and I do have a 12 email nurture sequence that rolls out over probably, I want to say it's 16 weeks. Like it takes some time and they're getting my weekly emails as well, but, but kind of sprinkled in with those weekly emails. It'll be like, Oh, Hey, did you know I have this paid program? When the time is right, I want to introduce you to that. So that by the time I do open the cart to something, they're like, Oh yeah, she did tell me a little bit about that. Maybe I should dive in a little bit deeper. So I'm always kind of sprinkling in the idea that, Hey, when you're ready, there's a next level to go to, but I really want people to get comfortable with my free messaging and my voice. And I want to encourage people too. I know that we're always so nervous to share for free and trust me, I was too like, don't give away too much for free. If we want them to eventually come on as a customer, they will always come on as a customer, give, 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 and let them get comfortable with your messaging and realize, oh my gosh, this is the authority in my industry. If I'm going to learn from somebody, this is who I want to learn from. So I lean in heavy to as much free as I can give. And then when the time is right, let them kind of come to me. Yeah, because you will be top of mind because you've given them so much content and so regularly. And now the podcast is going to help you too. You're going to be top of mind when they're ready. When something is maybe not working in their business and need help. And it's like, okay, now I need to join your course. Yes. Yes. And like you said, I'm okay. If it takes them a year or 18 months or two years to get there, I'm here when you're ready. And you know, I can't wait to take that next step. But you do launches that I know for your one year program, but what else can they buy when you're not launching? Great question. So for me, my signature offer is a membership, which you and I have talked about in great detail. I love the membership model. For me, it works great. Um, it's a 12-month membership. I do have two evergreen offers as well. So those evergreen funnels are always up and running. Um, they're two lower-end offers, so a 197 product and a 297 product. So those are always ready and available. And in part of my nurture sequence, they are kind of led into those evergreen offers. And then I do run Facebook ads to them as well. But for me, by far and away, the uh, membership is the biggest offering. And do you offer that once a year? Do they all start at the same time or? 
Good question. I offer it twice a year now. I've done it once a year, three times a year, two times a year is my sweet spot. So I've played with that quite a bit. And for me, they do start all together. So in two classes, which is great. It ends up being like this sorority. Like obviously my audience is mostly female, but you know how that is when a group starts together, that bond is there and they connect with each other and lean on each other and create friendships. And I think that's been the biggest piece for me. Like if there's one thing that's really set me apart is that community piece, building that community with the members has been huge. Yeah. And can they stay in it after the 12 months? Such a great question. They can stay in it after the 12 months. And that was something I didn't even see coming. But over 70% of our members stay on year after year after year because they love the culture and the community and, and the continued you know, relationships that we've built. And that's the most fun for me too. I'm sure for you also when it's like, oh my gosh, we've been working together for three years and we're still here. That's so fun. That's the best part. Exactly. Yeah, I love that community part. And I, I want to come back to the niche because this is such, I get this question almost every day. People are worried that they exclude clients. Do you feel that you are attracting the other people that you mentioned before, like, you know, from the beauty industry? Do they also sign up for your course, even if you're not targeting them? Sigrun, I always say that I know I'm doing my job when I attract and repel. And I do think with my branding, I do a pretty good job of making it very clear, like who I connect with and who I don't. And I can think of one time when somebody joined my course where it was like, ooh, you weren't a right fit. Somewhere my messaging got a little skewed and, and you shouldn't have been here and this isn't working. And I refunded her and it was no, and we're all good. You know, it was no problem. But for the most part, I'm really good and clear with my messaging about being like, you know, if this resonates with you, if you are that local small town stylist, I am so your girl. If that's not where you're at, not a worry. I'm going to send you in this direction instead. So a lot of my marketing and my messaging does work to attract and repel. There's no doubt about it. And I think that you probably experienced this too, but as I've grown as a coach, um, my voice and the way that I speak to my audience has certainly improved. And I think in the way I send my emails, in the way I present on Facebook, I'm very conscious of my tone and trying to make sure that like, listen, if, if we're not going to connect, if the way I speak doesn't work for you, it's all good, but we probably shouldn't work together. I really try and stay true to that as much as I can. It feels like that is more about authenticity that often comes when you've been a little bit longer in business. Maybe it's difficult in the beginning because we don't have the self-confidence, but I feel I've grown stronger in my voice and I can see this with my clients that I've worked with longer, that they come a little bit more out of the closet, so to speak. Totally, totally. Yeah, Agreed. and that's basically what you say is that you have gone clearer in your messaging. So you're rather pushing people away more and more maybe than you did in the past? 100%. Yeah. Do you have your ideal client totally mapped out like a story? I do. And she has a name. If you want, I'll share it with you. You can totally share it like in the notes of this if you want to. Cool. But I share that with my audience all the time. We have a, a branding and a target market workshop. And I always say, this is my target market. Does this resonate with anybody? And everybody goes, oh my gosh, that's me. You know what I mean? And so it really does. They can see that connection. I'm like, yes, this is what you guys want with your audience too. I'll share it. It's pretty fun. But I do think, do you have one secret? I don't think I have it as clear as you. That's why I'm asking okay. you. <laughs> It's so fun. And now I feel like, okay, am I speaking to her? Is this a great connection? Am I, is my messaging clear? Because I do feel like that really made such a huge difference for me. And it's like, if I'm going to say something and it's not talking to this perfect target market client, I probably shouldn't say it. And that's been really fun. And I think my audience has really resonated with that too. Do you feel you miss out on anything you as a person by uh, having such a super clear niche? 
Oh, that is such a great question. So like, you know, I mean, there's always that temptation of like, what if I do this? Or maybe I should do that. And I was actually talking to James about this the other day. I was getting distracted by something else. And he was like, you know, I think as entrepreneurs, we're almost always looking to make our lives a little more complicated. Like we're always looking for that next layer. Like, well, what if I add this in? And I think such great advice is to just enjoy what you have and be thankful for what you've built and stay true to your focus. Now looking back, I am so thankful that you and Martin and everybody else in the room was like, no Brit, stick with your path, stay the path. Because now that I have, I forexed my revenue by doing that. And had I gotten distracted by something else, who knows what would have happened. But because I had that ultra fine focus, it's been such a gift that I just stayed the path. So yes, I do get distracted and I do worry that I'm missing out and maybe I am, but I, I am really thankful and grateful at least right now for what I have. And, and I'm, I'm living in that appreciation and that's been nice. So how does someone in a niche scale their business, like you say, you have a limited, uh, pool of people you can target to. I, I have also heard sometimes, you know, if you have a limited pool, it's difficult with Facebook ads. And But also, how do you scale your business? What what comes as next? You know, you have the membership site, but is there anything else they can buy? Yes. Okay. So scaling for me has been tricky because you're right. I know that I can't necessarily attract 100,000 followers. That might not be for me. So it's always offering a little bit more. So what I have found is I take really great care of my students. I know that. Um, with my membership especially, we're good about sending physical gifts and thank you notes and really making them feel loved. And a lot of my students at this point are like, if Rip puts something out there, I'm a buyer. I'm in. Whatever her offer is, I want to take it because that trust is there. So for me, I think that it is quality over quantity. And I already have, you know how it is, Secret, in the works, a couple of other things I want to be able to offer to my students and present to them. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop a new course and launch it going into 2019. But at least for now, I'm trying to kind of stay in focus where I am. But for me, it's about increasing that lifetime customer value versus expanding my reach in a mega way because I might not ever be able to do that. Yeah. I think this is another issue entrepreneurs have is constantly, they've finished the course, they've launched it, maybe it went well, and then what's the next thing? What's the next thing? So how- Why do we do that? <laughs> I don't do know. Do oh, so bad. <laughs> well, I, I think I know it's the squirrel syndrome we have as entrepreneurs. And we just think we have to constantly create new things. How long have you been running your membership? 2014. So gosh, it'll be four years at the end of the year this year. And I will say, it's so funny that you asked this, Seagrin. My commitment I made to myself moving into 2018 was to not add on anything else, like really refine my funnels, continue to improve my membership and streamline, like improve my communication, improve my messaging and not add on anymore. And it's so tempting to be like, let me just try this or throw this in there or here's a new bonus. But I am finding in letting my focus be the refinement versus adding on more. Oh my gosh, like it's really paying off in a big, big way. And I can see that my connection with my students is improving and their experience is improving, but it is hard. But I am this year, especially I'm just working on improving what I've got and staying that focus. And when I launched my membership nearly four years ago now, that was my only revenue stream for the first two and a half years. Like my two evergreen courses, that's newer to the business. So, and I do think staying that one path and having that one offer made it really simple for my audience too. Like here's Brit, she's got this one thing. It's either works for you or it doesn't. So I don't think you have to have half a dozen offers to be successful, but just to stay focused on that one thing is so, so important. 
If everyone who listens really takes this advice, they're going to be much more successful in business because I don't know many people that actually have managed to stick with one product for two and a half years. In most cases, it may be more like three or six months before they want to create something new. So, wow, Britt, congratulations on doing it. But I also say, please, listeners or anyone watching this later, this video, take this advice because it's probably going to be the make and break in your business. So are they all over the world or are they more focused in the U.S.? Where are, they, where are your clients? Oh, Sigrun, that's been the most amazing part. So most of my audience is U.S.-based, probably because I, I'm, I've gotten really good at finding my audience through Facebook ads in the U.S. more than anywhere else. But I have students in Okinawa, Japan, the U.K. I got my first Scottish student recently, New Zealand, Australia. So a lot of Canadian students as well. So we do have a bit of an international audience. And that has been the most fun is learning how people do business around the world. That's been so interesting to me. But I am working on expanding there. So there may be some opportunities there for me too. We'll see. So your audience is maybe not that small if you go international. It's true. It's true, Sigrun. <laughs> I'm dipping my toe. We'll see. We'll see. And it's been so fun. Yeah. I can talk to a few people in Iceland too. <laughs> Ooh, I'll take it. I would love that. I'd love that. <laughs> really, this has been amazing, Britt. I just your story, your journey, your entrepreneurial journey is such an example of of staying in your lane, keeping focus, not just on your niche but also on the product. I think these are the two most important parts to take away. And if people follow that, then I know they will be more successful. So thank you for sharing. I know you are doing this as a, you know, for us audience, you know, your audience, hairstylists, they don't care about this podcast. You're doing this for my audience. So thank you for being on the show and taking the time. Oh my gosh, Sigrun, it's truly my pleasure. And to your audience, I hope you all know how lucky you are to have Sigrun as your mentor. She's brilliant and amazing and has offered me such incredible advice. And it's truly my honor to be here. So thank you for having me, Sigrun, so much. Ready to turn your passion into profits? Get free access to the seven stages of a profitable online business by going to sigrun.com forward slash 155. There you'll also find a document from Brit where she shares her ideal client with us. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.